What up, y'all? It's Monday night, a little after eight. Elections have consequences, and we're going to talk about that, not just in New York, but in North Carolina, too. The Urban Conservative Show starts right around now. Do you like NASCAR? Do you like a tribe called Quest? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Do you like manwich? and nachos well then you'd love the urban conservative do you like guns do you like butter well you're gonna love the urban conservative yo what's good son you like pitbulls say you like solving sudoku puzzles then you're gonna love the urban conservative Hey, buddy, if your car making a sound like this, you might want to get you some power steering fluid and check out the Urban Conservative Podcast. Are you repulsed by the idea of drag queen story time at your local library, but enjoy Carol Baskin TikTok memes? Then you would enjoy the Urban Conservative. Do you want to slap your boss and then go home and make yourself some golden brown pancakes covered in butter and freshly made warm boysenberry syrup? Then you'll love the Urban Conservative. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Urban Conservative Podcast. I'm Raheem Architect Soto. That's my twin brother, Dual Ali. As usual, make sure to support us. The website is tuconservative.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Everything is the Urban Conservative. Listen where you check out your podcast. Stream us wherever you listen. Apple Music, everything. We on everything pretty much, right, bro? Everything. Just look up the Urban Conservative. Real quick, man, before we jump into today's show, I got to give a couple of quick shouts out, man. Look, North Carolina is doing it big. Ted Budd is ahead in the polls. But, folks, that does not mean... We get to take our foot off the gas nationwide. I just read a report that Democrats are showing up. There are about 50 percent of the early votes that have been cast. So uh, Republicans, the opportunity to vote early is there. If you think you're going to have a challenge on Election Day getting to the polls, take advantage of early voting. Get out there and vote early. Now, I know a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives want to vote in person on Election Day, and we would prefer with an ID But that's a different story for a different day. Today, Uh we're going to talk about consequences, right? Because elections do have consequences. And hey, hey, listen, 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 voting early is not a sin, folks. Early voting is not not a sin. All right. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. So you're not caught up with the hectic Tuesday. Early voting is not a sin, folks. All right. Now, now look, uh, I, I think, right. When you hear the word consequences, it it always has a negative connotation, right? And in this okay. regard, in this regard, when we're having this conversation where we say elections have consequences, mm-hmm. elections have both positive and negative consequences. Factually. Okay? So you can have an election, and as a result of that election, I don't know, economics can get better in the country, the, the mm-hmm. economy can do better, more people can be off of unemployment. I don't know. Maybe there was a president in recent history who relaxed uh, regulations on people, made it a little easier to start businesses, to put what they say, steal in the ground and get things going right here in this country. So Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. also negative consequences. And I think for about the last year and a half, 
we've seen some uh, consequences. Well, well, get get in the comment section if if you think we're we're in, in headed in you know are these the outcomes of what we're seeing now the last year and a half? Do you think these these consequences are good? Do you need we just want to know that? Um, yeah. so to talk about this with us today, Ali, do you want to you want to do some introductions, man? Because we got I'll some great introductions. Today. I, I I feel like I can handle the introductions. And ladies and gentlemen, folks, friends and family, share this content. This is not a conversation you're going to want to miss because we have two very distinguished guests with us today on the Urban Conservative. First and foremost, running for U.S. Congress here in North Carolina's 6th District, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Christian Castelli, and running for New York State Comptroller, no uh, stranger to the show here. We've got our good friend Paul Rodriguez with us today. Welcome back, uh, Paul. Welcome to the Urban Conservative Christian. Glad to have you guys. Thank you. I'm glad to be with both of you, with all of you, actually. Glad to be with you, gentlemen. All right. So listen, I'm going to, if you don't mind, Paul, since you've been on the show before, um, I'm going to start out with Christian real quick. If you don't mind, Christian, of course, I want no, the, of course, the audience to get to know who you are real quick. So as y'all heard me say, Lieutenant Colonel retired, give them give him the one minute. Who are you for us real quick, real quick, Christian, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. I am a retired Army Green Beret Lieutenant Colonel. I spent 21 years in the United States Army. Uh, most of that time stationed at Fort Bragg as a Green Beret. I deployed 14 times to hostile fire zones, spent over three years in combat in Afghanistan. Uh, I'm married to a air, career Air Force person. Uh, she is currently the superintendent of a charter school system. I'm a Christian. I am a husband. I'm a proud father of three. And I am honored to be the Republican nominee for the 6th District of North Carolina. All right. So, Rod, do you understand why we had to get this brother on the show? Do you, no, do you get it? I, I dig it. I dig it. And and real quick, for those who are just tuning in now, and can we get the same thing from you, Paul? Give us that that real quick drop. Well, again, my name is uh, Paul Rodriguez. I am the Republican and Conservative Party candidate for New York State Controller. Uh, and I got a, a very... Uh, a piece of very pleasant uh, news today that I got uh, endorsed by the New York Post in the position, so I'm very happy about that. I, I'm a former banker, and uh, I'm a former banker, former analyst, spent nearly 30 years uh, in Wall Street in the financial sector, doing various different things, first as an uh, equity analyst, then a credit analyst, then a corporate banker, and also worked as a financial advisor uh, in a few instances uh, throughout that time as well. So I have a very broad financial background, uh, in many cases also covering sectors or companies in distress, which comes quite handy when looking at New York State and its financial situation currently. Uh, in the last few uh, couple of years, I've been working for the Archdiocese of New York in their development office. Development is nonprofit speak for fundraising. So I've been working there trying to support the pastoral and charitable works of the Catholic Church. And I'm also married and have a, and I'm a father of three. I have three daughters. The oldest is 27, who just got married earlier this year, and then 15 and 11. And I just want to say again uh, to our very uh, another guest here that I, I, I told him off camera, thank you so much for your service. And uh, I think we he is definitely, he and his wife, I should say, uh, definitely the epitome of public service, and I'm so glad that he's 
jumped back in the fray at a time where his country probably needs him most. So thank you. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Guys, listen, yeah, go, now, go now that we've got the, the pleasantries out of the way, we've right. got a very serious discussion that we've got to have. And on two fronts, um, we're going to talk about the economy here. I know that's your area of expertise, Paul, but, but, but Christian, you have, um, I had a chance to hear you, uh, talk in Greensboro at the community center that you stopped by and you gave a very poignant, um, talk about what you saw down at the border and, and, and these elections are having consequences that you put it that, that, and I'll let you say it, but you said you talked to sheriffs and they're saying, Every county is becoming a border county because of these policies. Tell the folks what you saw down there on the border um, and part of the reason why you're stepping up to run because of what you saw down there. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, uh, we're running on five issues. Uh, the main five issues you hear a lot repeated by Republicans. Of course, the economy, energy, independence, education, illegal immigration and crime. Uh, we've got an, a situation brewing here in my district where the Biden administration just approved a contract for $177 million to house illegal immigrants in a defunct boarding school right here in the middle of Greensboro, North Carolina. And so my team's been looking into this for a while, but as part of my investigation, I wanted to see the problem at its source. And I took a trip down to the, our southern border to Cochise County, Arizona this past week and spent some time with the border sheriffs, border patrol, state and local law enforcement, spoke to ranchers and, and people in the community here to hear what the problem was firsthand. And I'll tell you, Democrats would have you believe that illegal immigration is a victimless crime. I will tell you, the list of victims is endless and the list of crimes is as long as your left arm. You know, from economic crime to rape, to murder, to robbery, to burglary, narco trafficking, human trafficking, and of course assaults on our, on our law enforcement. The, the crime is rampant, the situation is out of control and they're absolutely overwhelmed at our Southern border. So, so it sounds like to me, and we talked about this off air real quick, you've got an mm -hmm. opponent that's uh, essentially voted 100% of the time for the Biden-Pelosi uh, agenda. Is that about right? Yeah, that's correct. She's got a 100% vote match in lockstep with the Biden-Pelosi agenda. She is ultimately responsible and supports open border policies, uh, and she's endangering the community that we live in. And, and now uh, the problem at our southern border is coming to a theater near you, just like a movie. It's coming to a community near you. Every county in America is a border county now. So, Absolutely. Paul, let me throw this over to you, Paul, real quick, because this is obviously looking at what happened in New York City and declaring a state of emergency because of the immigrants coming in there. What are the financial implications to a state like New York because of that immigration issue? Well, they're significant. And in fact, what you really see with the border situation and the way that they've now been bust up here is that progressives, and particularly those who support the notion of sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, are having now to really face very closely and intimately the impact of their policies, what it really means, the reality of what they advocate when you say, let's just let them all in and don't worry, Texas, Arizona, and what have you, will just take care of it, and California will take care of it. Now they're actually having to come to terms 
with what that means, how it taxes the resources, how difficult it is. And particularly, uh, you know, you talk about Martha's Vineyard. They got 50 immigrants coming in, primarily from Venezuela, and they immediately called out 150 National Guard and put them in a National, uh, a national, Guard, ba um, national Guard base. Uh, in the border, we're getting hundreds of thousands or millions per year. Uh, and, and yet, many of these blue states seem to, all they can do is simply criticize uh, our border governors and call them either racist or, 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 or basically being anti-American or they don't like immigrants, which is completely ludicrous. It taxes the resources in such a way, and here in New York to such a point where now they're saying they're going to need Ten billion dollars of additional B? resources get a billion dollars from the federal B? government. B, ten billion, yes. Oh. Uh, and you know, and you know how Democrats are; they're not shy about asking for money. Some of us, sure. it might we might actually uh, we, we might actually blush at asking for some of this type of money, but you know, Democrats do not. So this is what they're being faced with, and now uh, putting them in ten cities here. I think now. A lot of them have now been sent to Staten Island, so I guess they're still taking them to Republican areas because it seems the the progressives can't deal with it. So if 50 people in Martha's Vineyard cost the whole town, which has a very large sign in front saying all are welcome, all hmm. belong, no matter what, if it destroyed their, uh, their, their world to such an extent that they called three times as many National Guardsmen to remove them. Again, it's not a good situation. It's definitely a hardship for New York, but I think it's a very long overdue wake-up call for those who simply say, it's very easy to be magnanimous and to uh, basically offer largesse when you're not really the one on the hook for it. When all of a sudden you're the one on the hook for it, then you need you start reassessing and, and wondering, okay, is this really the right policy? Or at least we hope that that's what many of our uh, elected officials are doing. So they could have a, a much more reasonable policy in place. So real quick, ladies and gentlemen, right around the 15-minute mark, you are kicking it on the Urban Conservative Podcast. It's a Monday night. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead, give us a like, give us a share, give us a subscribe. If you're really feeling randy, you could go ahead and hit us up with a cash app at dollar sign, TU Conservative, or you can sponsor an ad. Just go to TUConservative.com, click on that. Yo, real quick, speaking of, speaking, of, yeah. speaking of ad buys, speaking of ad buys, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsors, of course, bro. We can't do it out with the sponsors, you know. No, segue no. into an this episode of the urban conservative has also been sponsored by case technology consulting help your business get value out of its data and become more efficient and streamlined case technology consulting check out the link in the description just because you're black doesn't mean you have to vote Democrat. This year, in order to see benefits for our communities, we need to vote outside the box. Find out more by visiting us at TUConservative.com. Shouts out to our good brother Ari Case over at Case Technology Consulting. Make sure you tap in with the good brother. And as we always tell you guys, if you have a young person that is going into the uh, STEM space, into the software engineering space and need some 
uh, uh, what do you call it, mentorship and, and some apprenticeship and some help and what direction to go, please get in touch with our good brother, Ari Case. You can leave a comment down below. Um, and this is what we're doing. So, uh, Ali, I know you had another question, bro. And where were I you did. going, bro? So, so, Paul talked a little bit about the economic impact of the immigration issue. And there's mm -hmm. also that there's something that comes along with immigration, Christian, that you touched on, which was the crime aspect of it. And, you know, Greensboro being a part of your district, knowing what happened during the George Floyd situation in Greensboro, mm -hmm. um, where, where where do you see Greensboro in the future if conservatives don't step up? What's on? You, you know, I, I'm looking at rising crime here. So, you know, what, what talk to us well, a little I, bit about I, I, Ali, I want that directed at both of them because they can both kind of answer that that question. Okay, but yeah. Christian first, talk to us a little bit about that side of it and where yes, you see things going in Greensboro. Yeah. So, uh I'll tell you that uh speaker uh future speaker of the house when we went back to the house in November, Kevin McCarthy right. has asked uh, all of us on the ballot to make our first vote about repealing 87,000 IRS folks. And then taking that savings and putting 200,000 police officers on the street across America. And that includes the city of Greensboro that is grossly undermanned. They have re retention uh, issues. They have recruiting issues. And crime per capita is extremely high in the city of Greensboro. The city of Greensboro is on a list with Chicago, Philly, Detroit, L.A., and New York. That's outrageous to think a city that this is this size is on a list due to its high crime per capita with those other large Democrat-led cities. But at the end of the day, this is just another Democrat-led city with soft on crime policies, catch and release, low or no bail policies, hug-a-thug policies that have led to outrageous crime here in North Carolina. Go okay. ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Back, back, back up. up. Back up. Back up. Hug Hashtag a thug. Hug a thug. <laughs> yes, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on the Urban Conservative. Paul. I love it. Oh, that's great. I, Christian, I, I, yeah, that's good. We love it. All right. Well, kind of the same question for you, Paul. Well, I would mention uh, we were talking about earlier how these illegal immigration policies are not really victimless crimes. And one of the groups of people who are becoming the biggest victims right now, believe it or not, are our homeless population. Uh, those on mental illness, those are who, who are um, drug addicted, because some of the resources that we would be using to house them, to take care of them, are now actually being diverted to take care of uh, the people that are coming here. And mind you, we're putting them in hotels at $300, $400 a night here in the city. Now, just to give you some context and, and, and for comparisons purposes, if you go on unemployment here in New York City, the maximum that you can get per week pre-tax is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $525 because I was, I was told it went up to that uh, this much. So about 500 or so dollars is the maximum you can get on unemployment if you're a person who contributed into the system throughout the years, are down on your luck and now have to access public assistance, that's what you're going to get from unemployment insurance. And yet we are spending three to four hundred dollars a night to house these people that are here and they keep coming here. And mind you, as a New Yorker, it's not good for us fiscally 
But at the same time, I, I can understand the motivation and where our border uh, state governors are coming from, because they say, listen, this is what you welcome into this country constantly. You say, let them in. You denigrate us for wanting to control it, for wanting to put some limits and some curbs in it, and for wanting to really do things the the appropriate legal way, not just simply use a blanket uh, a blanket label where now everybody, have you noticed, everybody is now labeled a refugee. Uh, right. I'm wow. This, that words don't seem to mean anything anymore. That's another one of those words that has been corrupted and denigrated. Everyone is now a refugee. If everyone is refugee, then no one is a refugee. I can understand from Venezuela, some of, and, and then definitely war-torn countries, absolutely. Right. But everybody who crosses the border here from Mexico or Central America or Russia or what have you, uh, or whatever country, quite frankly, unless you're telling me it's Ukraine right now, you, you cannot just label everyone a refugee. This is now part of the indoctrination that's coming from the other side that it's not simply before it used to be, a, how can you be against illegal aliens? How can you be illegal immigrants? How can you be against the undocumented? The undocumented doesn't seem to pull the heartstrings enough. Now they're all refugees. What did they say? What, what was that saying we saw? Where I was like, uh, human beings can't be illegal, like, or something like that. Is it some right. weird, ubiquitous phrase that they come up with? So, so let let me ask this question here, and, and this is going to be. Mind you, I love immigrants. Don't get me wrong. Mind no, we love right, them. Right, but 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 honestly, well, well, Ali, hold on. Before you even say that, and I want to yeah. put this on the record too. But for for those that watch us, that know, you know, especially our our black friends, listen. America takes more black immigrants, legal immigrants than any other country in the world. So that we can't right. make this a race issue. Let's not mm -hmm. let's not fall for the rhetoric here that somehow America hates uh, immigrants because Nigeria, Lagos, all of these countries, they're sending their kids here to go to school. These kids are coming here and they're doing well and they're making a life for themselves. But I just wanted to table that. Go ahead, Ali, with your question. Right. So so we, we talk a little bit about the border. We talk about the economy. We talk about crime. But one thing that I think it's it's hitting everybody's pocket and maybe you have to rob people to get gas money these days. And so maybe it's impacting crime, but Christian talked about energy independence here. Um, you know, knowing what's at stake for our country, Christian, can we continue? I, I just, and both of you can chime in us, but can we continue to use our strategic oil reserves the way the Biden administration is using this Christian? Is that like doable? Is that necessary? Yeah, Absolutely not. That's not sustainable. It's hard to imagine just two years ago, we were energy independent and a net exporter. And now we're having to beg our adversaries on our hand, hands and knees to fill our strategic petroleum reserve. Energy security and energy independence is national security. And so as long as we can get back to this, hey, we all want a clean environment. We're just not there yet. And we can't go cold turkey with the Green New Deal like Democrats would propose. Uh, maybe they should have suggested we go to hybrid vehicles before we go to all electric, a combination and easing in to our energy independence in the future. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, go ahead, Paul. No, and uh, what I would mention, as I, as I read, I think recently, a couple of days ago, that for all intents and purposes, the strategic oil reserve is nearly empty at this point, mm -hmm. whatever. So keep in mind, if we end up having to face some type of geopolitical crisis 
where we need to rely on that, we're sort of SOL. I won't say, I won't spell it out. Uh, we, we're in a difficult problem. And then here in New York in particular, not only are we, do they, do we want to follow the, the battle steps of California by phasing out all fossil fuels, or, or I, I like to say more accurately, often hydrocarbons, because people assume that the only thing we use oil and gas for is simply for gasoline or for fuel. No, we also use them to make petrochemicals, which is what we use to make any type of plastic practically or synthetic fiber. So if you like to go jogging and you like that shirt that, you know, doesn't retain the fluid and it doesn't get heavy on you, that's some petrochemical fibers. If we like our laptops and we like our iPhones, unless you want to make them out of wood and steel or some other materials, hmm. we need plastics and we need alloys and we need different things that you need petrochemicals to use. So, so that's one thing. And then aside from that, this whole idea where you're going to switch automatically overnight from coal and oil and gas automatically to electric, they tend to forget that 75, 80% of the electricity that's generated uh, in the United States is still fueled by some type of fossil fuel, whether it's coal, whether it's natural gas, we ideally want it to be more natural gas, right? But we don't currently have the capacity or the technology to, uh, as Christian said, just, you know, turn it off and switch it overnight. And we certainly don't seem to have any type of uh, appetite for nuclear, at least certainly not in New York. So then when you, when you switch from one to the other, all you're simply doing is increasing the demand for electricity, which there probably won't be enough to meet the demand. So therefore, the price is going to increase. Everyone gets poorer. And at the end of the day, you're not going to be even reducing probably substantially, if at all, the consumption of fossil fuels because you're still needed to produce all that electricity. So uh, it, 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 people don't think about the trade-offs. I always talk about whenever we're discussing energy, you have to remember the trade-offs. And few people seem to recognize that. I give the example of, listen, you want to switch from a gas guzzler to an electric? Wonderful. Great. Do it. Or to a hybrid. But keep in mind, you're substituting one extractive industry, which is oil and gas drilling, for another, which is cobalt and all other types of metal and alloys and, and mineral mining. Uh, you're also basically trading one set of unsavory relationships whether it be Russia, Middle Eastern despots, et cetera, with the Chinese Communist Party, which increasingly owns all of these resources or is, or is getting a corner on these resources in Africa and Asia and elsewhere. So uh, those are the trade-offs. And, and again, as I just mentioned, mm -hmm. we still need to generate the electricity, which, oh, by the way, you need fossil fuels to power the the power plants because you're not going to do it with just a whole bunch of uh wind turbines and and solar it's solar yeah, yeah. <laughs> no not going to happen so so let me he he said paul said something interesting and i want to kind of go back you know to this a little bit more on the, on the federal level when we look at the keystone pipeline being shut down and certain things happening you get in congress which we think is very likely to happen right uh christian it, how, how quickly can we get back to energy independence? What do we got to do? Is it just a matter of opening back up our fracking? What do we do to make that happen? I think we need to take a comprehensive look, commission a study, look at what was shut down. Uh, you know, with one false swoop of the pen, uh, President Biden shut down a lot of stuff. Uh, mm. He signed all kinds of executive orders. He, he stopped the drilling. He has burdened 
the oil and gas industry to the point where some things are cost prohibitive. We need to take a comprehensive look at all that stuff. And it's important to note, people think that the Keystone pipeline is shut down. The Keystone pipeline is open from Canada all the way to Texas. It's the branches that go left and right, east and west in the middle of the country that we're talking about. And so uh, that's, a, that's a unique distinction that I think people are under the misimpression that it's completely shut down, but it's not. And so we've got to keep mindful of that. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, the east and west branches off of the main, main line. Gotcha. So, so uh, Ali, real quick, hold on, hold on. Quick, quick question, because I, I, I'm curious about the implications this has, because New York, and if I'm wrong, Paul, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but here in New York, we have energy under our feet. We have, we have access to energy right under our feet here in New York. And what is it about the structure here in New York that won't allow for this? Is it just, is it just this one party rule dynamic that we have here that's prohibiting this from your point of view? Like what's the holdup if we have this abundance of energy under our feet right here in New York? Well, we have a lot of natural gas in New York, but a fracking is a dirty word for many here in New York. And we've mm -hmm. done everything possible to restrain it and ban it here. We also don't like nuclear. I think the last nuclear power plant that we had, Indian Point, was closed down. So they're under this mistaken notion that if you just build thousands of acre, you know, a wind, um, thousands of acres of, of solar panels, and then uh, put a whole bunch of wind turbines all throughout the state, that that's somehow going to replace everything well first of all they're not in place already so it, it would even take time and even if it does even if you're able to put everything again you cannot legislate technological innovation you should have an all of the above approach to energy where you do uh, complement fossil fuels with other sustainable forms but we're not at a point where we can just replace one with the other i was having a discussion with someone recently telling them that Wind and uh, solar aren't necessarily as reliable year-round as, you know, basically, you know, starting a generator, for example. And I told him, for example, wind turbine. You know, wind turbines work great in Texas and all that stuff. Try putting one in Chicago in the middle of winter. You can. If you have no wind, it's not good. But if you have too much wind, the turbines will fall apart, not to mention with the temperatures they can freeze, as we saw down in Texas. That, that was one of the big issues. A lot of mm -hmm. it's froze. And then, of course, if you have thousands and thousands of acres of solar panels, again, you know, you mm -hmm. have a blizzard, they get all covered up. How how useful are they to you unless you, you know, uh, until you clear them out? I mean, those are just some sort of simple right. examples and as to why you really should have an all of the above approach. And again, at the end of the day, you know, it's also there's also there's environmental trade-offs to using wind and solar wind you have to dig you know you put these sort of behemoth structures that are wind turbines and they have to run for miles and miles and many people particularly a lot of those people who claim to be so progressive and supportive you know it's the whole not in my backyard thing i said i don't want to see a bunch of yeah they disregard behind me not to right. mention the fact that they kill a lot of uh the wildlife, the birds, yeah. Birds. Yep. So they're not necessarily the most environmentally friendly in of themselves. Mm. Again, they're not all terrible, but they're not perfect. There is no panacea. There's always trade-offs. Hmm. Uh, and solar panels, let's not forget, 
they may be sustainable when you put them, how, depending on how you define sustainable. But to mine the materials that are needed to make them, well, some of them which are somewhat toxic, it's not so easy. Again, you end up switching allegiances from your dependency on the Middle East and Russia to your dependency on China because many of those materials are sourced from China. The solar panels are bought from China. Uh, and, and and you know what, Paul? One, one other thing. Here, we haven't had very good projects here. Like, for example, remain, remember Solyndra, the big uh, solar project here that went back. Mm. Just pumped, I think, a half a billion dollars. Wow. In. I'm so about again, to say, I hope there was no public money in that. People, they don't understand that. So, so real quick, what, one of the things you touched on, and he bring this, he brings this up, and this is something Christian, as a future congressman, China is really. I, I went to this national security um, event Polaris had put on with Ted Budd and and uh, mm -hmm. Lindsey Graham and what's his name, uh, Ratcliffe, uh, Rat, the, the former John national John Ratcliffe. John Ratcliffe. Uh -huh. And one of the things they were saying is that China is, you know, everybody's screaming Russia, Russia, Russia. But we need to be looking at China because of intellectual property theft, the fentanyl coming across the border, you know, all of these things. How come Democrats aren't and, and how come your opponent isn't taking a, a, a firmer stand? What, what could be gained by empowering China? And, and what do you do about it as a congressman going in? What can we do until we get a hold of the White House to keep China at bay? Yeah, so I'm going to go back a little bit here and talk about gas prices one more time. You guys all heard about the commitment to America that Leader McCarthy rolled out a couple of weeks ago. It rolled out a week late due to the Queen's death, and uh, they wanted to get more central focus on it, didn't want to disrespect her. Right. But uh, with respect to energy, uh, one of the four pillars in the commitment to America is an economy that's strong. And within that is to make America energy independent and reduce gas prices. They want to maximize reliable, cleaner American-made energy and cut the permitting process time in half to reduce our reliance on foreign countries like you just alluded to and prevent these rolling blackouts and reduce the cost of fuel and utilities across America. Part of that, also part of that commitment to make a strong economy is strengthening our supply chain and ending our dependence on China and uh, move supply chains away from China, expanding U.S. manufacturing and enhancing America's economic competitiveness and resiliency. You know, right now, I think the world is on their knees uh, due to a um, uh, the chip shortage. And so you know, I, th this is just insane. We're going to be reliant on our foreign adversaries for everything. We can't, it's slowed down production of our vehicles here in the United States. We are so dependent on foreign countries and countries that are not our friends. Right. For our manufacturing capability, that this is a major national security issue. And right. I don't think the Democrats realize how much of a, a security issue it is. They strictly think of it in a form of, uh, you know, uh, quid rope quid pro quo trade issues and less of a national security perspective. Mm. Wow. So, so Ali, I, I'm curious about something, right? Um, because as, as he brought that back and, and these things are all to me, they seem tied in, right? One of the themes of the show being the, the, the consequences of this election. So for both of you, uh, we we obviously are pushing and pulling and and praying and and walking and knocking doors and doing all we can do, uh, you know, as as 
constituents to to get you guys elected. But what what is the the downside, right? Some some something goes terribly wrong. They, they you know. 2020 happens again uh, some some a lot of a lot of folks from the from the other side are voting and things go catastrophically wrong what would be the consequences of democrats keeping control from from your perspective let's just say we didn't have this momentum uh and we'll start with paul and then we'll go to you christian but what would be the the fallout if if this guy here in new york stays our comptroller what would be the fallout if the lady up there you know the lady down there where you're at stays in that position our consequence in New York is actually very clear, and it's a word from the Bible, Exodus, because already we've had hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers leaving the state. And it comes down to what I've been telling people a lot, and I've been framing, framing it in this way. The American dream is in jeopardy in New York. That idea, the, the and you know, when I mention the American dream, basically what I'm saying is having the freedom and ability to be able to end life at a better place than where you started. So to improve your conditions and to, and if you're a parent like I am, to make your children's life better than what you had. That for more and more New Yorkers is becoming an elusive dream because of the high taxes, the high inflation, which is only getting worse, a very, you know, basically these onerous regulations that make it we makes New York a very hostile place for any type of uh, business or investment, whether it's large or small. And of course, the thing that's been front and center for most of us, and not only New York City and other urban areas like Rochester, Buffalo, but even rural areas, has been the decline in public safety. You know, it, it's very simple. One of the pillars for economic development and economic growth and prosperity is public safety because you don't want to work live or invest in a place where you're unsafe. And as a parent, you all you're worried about is how to make ends meet, how to educate your children, how to make sure your children get to school and back safe. Those are the, right. the primary things. Everything else seems superfluous. So the biggest consequence of, let's say, not getting Lee Zeldin elected or many of us elected would be exodus. It would be more people leaving the state. More people realizing very sadly that achieving that American dream in New York is either too difficult or perhaps even impossible and coming to the realization that they have to go elsewhere to achieve that and to get a better quality of life. So we're at a turning point where we're saying if we don't actually have some changes come November 8th, we're really going to keep heading down uh, a worse path than where we are already. And Really, what happens between now and November 8th will make the difference whether we get back to a path of integrity, of prosperity, or whether people continue to leave. And like I, I even told uh, Mr. Napoli, my opponent in the debate, I asked him, he goes, oh, New York is not going to go out of business, never going to go out of business. I asked him, why? Are you saying that states can't go bankrupt or that cities can't go bankrupt? Of course, <laughs> but not. But his homeboys got the prince. When they assume that things are just gonna work out, kick the can down the road. Things are just gonna work out. Well, I, I think we're running out of time to do, for for doing that anymore. We, we really cannot afford that anymore. Excellent. Same, 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 same question, question for you. Question to you. Same question. What are we sure. like? I, I think the consequences of Democrats remaining in control of Congress is we are not going to see any relief in inflation. 
Uh, they're going to continue with their reckless spending agenda. Uh, taxes are going to continue to go up. Uh, American families are going to continue to be hurt financially. Uh, we're going to see these continued woke programs and, and uh, indoctrination of our children in schools. They're going to silence conservative thought. Uh, we're going to continue to see these the, the reckless policies on our southern border that are destroying our communities with the scourge of fentanyl coming across the border and crime. You know, we're going to continue to see crime soar in cities across America because of their soft on crime policies. The quality of life for the American citizen has taken a serious uh, step backwards in the last 18 months. I can't imagine what this country will look like in another two years with the presidency being controlled by the Democrats, the Senate and Congress. We've got to do something now. The fate and future of our country depends on it. Absolutely. So, folks, right around the 40 minute mark, you've been kicking it this episode of The Urban Conservative with Paul Rodriguez, who is running for New York State Comptroller and Christian Castelli, who is running for Congress in North Carolina's 6th Congressional District. We've been talking about the consequences of this election and the need to make sure you get out and vote. Real quick, Paul, just let everybody know where they can go to support you, how they, they, can, how they can support your campaign, and uh, what you got going on. The floor is yours for the next 30 seconds. Well, absolutely. If you want to find out more about my campaign or about me, you can go to my website, which is Rodriguez. So that's R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z-F-O-R-N-Y, Rodriguez4NY.com. You can also check me out, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. The call is this, the call sign is the same. It's Rodriguez, again, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, the number four NYS for New York State. Rodriguez, the number four NYS. And I tend to be very active on all three. So you can constantly see where I'm, where I'm, what I'm thinking about things. And, and of course, lately, as we're getting closer, uh, there's been a lot more interest from the press and, and a lot of things going on. So please uh, feel free to check it out. And if you can see yourself uh, inclined to support us in this final stretch, in this final last two weeks, whether financial or otherwise, we would certainly uh, appreciate it. Excellent. Appreciate that, brother. And real quick, I want to uh, I want to give Paul a shout out. I think this is his what third or fourth show, bro. Yeah, I think I, I think, I think so. might be, yeah, third or yes, yeah, right, third or fourth. I'm losing count. Maybe my fourth. Well, at least All my right. fourth. Well, no, well, my fourth. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get Paul. Paul. We gotta get Paul a t-shirt, man. Yeah, like we got to get him a T-shirt. I think you've earned one. Well, I do want to let you know we, we've gotten some messages about folks seeing you on the show and they appreciate having this race talked about because we know, you know, how important what you guys do in the, the economic sense as a control a controller's office. So thank you for coming back out and showing us some love. And Christian Castelli, the floor is yours. Please let everybody know how did they can support you, where they can find you at, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. You can go to my website at Castelli. C A S T E L L I 4 F O R N C dot com. From there, you can get to my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube page. Uh, I'd appreciate you going to the site, checking it out. It's a pretty cool site. Got pictures of my military service on there and my story. Uh, I am, uh, for me, this is about selfless service, not selfish service. And uh, I am endeavoring to serve my country once again. 
in a different capacity. I would appreciate your support. And I look forward to being on your show again in the future, guys. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching the Urban Conservative Podcast. Again, it's been our pleasure. And, and we are and endorsing like and, and supporting and praying and pulling for you guys so much. We're going to keep plugging away and continue to explain to folks why we need to have Paul Rodriguez as our next New York State Comptroller. Folks, it's, it's time to save our state. We cannot continue down the direction that we're going here in New York. We need people with the know-how, the integrity. And honestly, the, the opposition is is... There's no way to defend their positions. These are indefensible anti-American positions that the left is taking. So we really thank you, Paul, for putting yourself out there for and thank your family for putting up with this because we know. Shouts out to your family. I hope everybody's well over there. But we really appreciate you guys for taking the time. Same thing, Christian Ali. You got anything before we go, bro? You tap your mic, 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 Ali, tap yeah, your mic. Bad. I got this newfangled mic. But Christian, <laughs> I was going to say thank you for your service, brother. I'm a former uh, Army guy myself. I was a 13 Bravo, so I was way behind you, but I had your back. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the Greensboro area, hit Christian up. Doesn't matter if you're Democrat, unaffiliated, right is right. You need to vote for the right guy. Yeah, this thing yeah. has been in office and has done nothing for the district. So please support Christian Castelli. We look Yo, real, real quick, bro, bro. for a full interview. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been checking out the Urban Conservative podcast on a Monday night. Stay tuned right here because we've got some really big announcements coming up. We're going to make this thing real, real big. Again, every Monday night, 8 p.m., TUConservative.com. Get yourself a membership. We really appreciate it. Until next week, from my twin brother, Raheem, architect Soto, I'm Abdul Ali. This has been the Urban Conservative Podcast. Next time, y'all. Peace. Thank you. TV, bridging communities worldwide. We broadcast diverse international content from Europe, Asia, Africa, and now right here in the USA. Watch us via Roku on your smart TV. Submit your own content to 1530entertainmentllc at gmail.com. Download the Millennium TV app from the App Store to stream our shows anywhere, anytime. Millennium TV. Millennium TV.